This episode of this podcast is making me thirsty is brought to you by the Clarkman Garbage Disposal. Welcome to this podcast is making me thirsty. The number one destination for Seinfeld fans. Do us a solid. Check out our YouTube channel. This podcast is making me thirsty. Subscribe. Rate and review us on iTunes. If you dig it, please pass it on. Check out our website, SeinfeldPodcast.com. Email us at this podcast is making me thirsty at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at this thirsty. Follow us on Instagram at this thirsty. Thank you for listening. Enjoy. This podcast is making me thirsty. Welcome to this podcast is making me thirsty. The number one destination for Seinfeld fans. This episode 121. Today's guest is a veteran sports radio host and journalist with Fox Sports, MLB.com and SI.com. He was a major part of the Dan Patrick show for 12 years. He currently hosts the Maggie and Perloff show every weekday from three to six on CBS Sports Radio and Television and Sirius XM. He can be seen in several Adam Sandler films, including the recently released and highly praised Hustle, which is on Netflix now. And of course, he's a huge Seinfeld fan. Please welcome Andrew Perloff. Andrew, thanks for joining. My pleasure. Yeah, that's uh, that resume sounds better than it than it actually was in real <laughs> life, by the way. Although it, the Dan Patrick part was very fun. <laughs> the uh, SI.com, FoxSports.com, that's a long time ago. But you, you've made so many connections through those um, those SI.com days, obviously with Maggie and yeah. uh, Jimmy Traina, et cetera. So it's, it's, we're honored to have a movie star on the program today. But uh, <laughs> Andrew, to take us back, you like we were talked off air a little bit, you're like, um, graduated Dartmouth in 93. Yep. That's kind of peak Seinfeld, right? Season, season five. We always like to get a little history on uh, when our guests first kind of fell in love with the show. Uh, were you watching it in college during you know those yep. 89 to 93 years, or when did you kind of pick it up? I went to college in Hanover, New Hampshire, uh, and we had like just bare bones cable. So I think we got NBC. Like we Basically, we didn't get Fox. That's like in 92, 93, you didn't get Fox. So we had tapes of The Simpsons. And I remember I came home to Philadelphia. My friend, two friends, Jeremy Carver and Ronnie Carmi had tapes of Seinfeld. In the first season, I was in college. And I remember he's like, you got to watch this show. I'm like, oh, Seinfeld, like, it's not doing that well, right? And he's like, no, you got to watch it. So we sat and watched basically most of the first season, maybe four or five episodes. He... Both of those guys went on to be comedy writers in Hollywood. Like they knew exactly what they were talking about. They worshiped the show. So I saw it on tape spring break for the first time. Wow. So that was like when you were a freshman. No, I, th yeah, I think I was a, uh, yes, it must Early have been a on. freshman. So what was the first year of the show? The first season was 89. Yeah, but ni 90, really. I mean, the summer yeah. of 90 is when uh, the first episodes hit, the summer of yeah, 90. Yeah, I was definitely late. I was definitely late to the show. But I think, I mean, honestly, like, as I remember it, everybody was, though. Like, it was yeah. a thing for a little while. For the while. most part, yeah, yeah. Do you remember uh, of those episodes, or maybe even when you just started kind of then getting into it yourself, um, like, what was the episode that sort yeah. of clicked? 
Like, what was the episode yeah. that sort of clicked for it's you? It's probably a total cliche, but the Chinese restaurant was the okay. one. The one that I remember the most. Maybe because the format was so novel. Also, you got to remember, too. So I graduated college and moved to New York. And that was my life. I mean, New York was my life. Like, the New York that Seinfeld is describing was my New York. I moved to the Upper East Side. It was the only place I could afford to live. Waited at Chinese restaurants. Like, so... That one is the one that I remember really resonating. Now, I don't know for sure that's the first one that I love, but when I think back to that question, that's my answer. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that was a groundbreaking one. You know what I love about the Chinese restaurant, by the way? Like, everyone remembers it as like it's all in one spot and it's the whole thing and everything. George tells a story about having to go to the bathroom in the girl's apartment and it's too small of an apartment and like he has to get out of there. Like, that's the, that's how you, that's your introduction to George almost in that episode. It's so classic, George, you know? Like um, I said, like I said, yeah. that was my life. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I mean, dating and size apartment and bathrooms. I, I tell this story actually on my show. There was one when I, it was so hard to get an apartment. I went to an apartment and the bathroom was like right in the middle of the living room with no separation, no door around it. Like that would happen in New York City. And I always thought like, well, what if, what if I'm on a date and I come home and like we go to the bedroom area, I'm like, excuse me, I have to go to the bathroom right here with no door. That would have been a great Seinfeld moment. So I totally relate to that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like we've all kind of experienced that uh, in those kind of New York City apartments. It was funny. It's funny you mentioned the Chinese restaurant. Um, your old coworker Peter, King, we talked with Mike Florio, yeah. and he mentions Peter King. All he does is yell out Cartwright all the time. Did he? Did he do that when you were working with him? You know, you, you know, Mike was in the studio with Peter. I never spent that kind of time with Peter. I, I edited Peter. That was one of my first jobs at SI, and I love Peter. He's unbelievable what he does. But I don't remember. Yeah, I do remember him totally falling in love with Seinfeld. I don't remember him yelling that, but that does sound like him. Who else? So, so yeah, we have talked to a lot, a lot of a lot of your colleagues in in radio, especially sports radio. It's uh, kind of right up our alley, if you will, um, for a marine biologist reference. But um, uh, who who else are you? I mean, you mentioned we mentioned Jimmy Trainer. We had him on early on in our yeah. podcast. But like, I know I know Maggie's a big Seinfeld fan as well. But like, even with the Dan Patrick Show, like. How, how often is it coming up in conversations? Yeah. How often are you guys like trying to weave it into an episode of one of your own shows and things like that? It's a great question. Think about Dan Patrick when Dan Dan was owning the world at Sports Center. His schedule, he's told me about this many times. He loves Seinfeld. He thinks it's a great show. He didn't watch it in the 90s. He was sitting in Sports Center on Thursday night watching hockey games or writing the show. He missed the entire phenomenon. So he never weaves the stories in. And he appreciates it. As I, I told you guys before, we had Seinfeld on the show at the Super Bowl once. We had Larry David on. But Dan could not watch it live because he was busy working. You know, and it's like, those are two, sort of two North Stars of the TV world, Sports Center at night. But if you think about it, there's no way you can watch it. And we didn't have DVRs. So you could exchange tapes. Like, I know Rich Eisen, for example, loves it and quotes it all the time, who I've worked with a lot. But Dan is not that guy at all. Like, and me... And the producers of the show all knew it really well, but Dan never got into it much. But he's interviewed so, like you said, you mentioned you mentioned Larry, you mentioned Jerry, and I feel like there's been a ton of like guests, like Cranston, have been on the program. Yeah. Uh, it's probably a thrill for you being a Seinfeld fan. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, we saw the interview, obviously, with Jerry and him analyzing the skit you guys did. Yeah. Um, 
Tell us a little bit about that. I mean, did you kind of get to talk to him pre or post or, or uh, have any sort of relationship with him yeah. at all? I wouldn't call it a relationship. I don't remember where, what Jerry was doing around that. It might've been like the B movie or something, but so he was in New York Super Bowl. He was very nice, very polite, but he, I remember you probably saw in the clip, he was very judgmental and almost a funny way of our attempts at being funny because we all think we're funny. We're all like the funny guys and our crew of friends. Try to be funny in front of Jerry Seinfeld and it's a very humbling experience. So it kind of like, <laughs> I guess it kind of came off as a little cocky or arrogant, but like, it's like calling Michael Jordan cocky or arrogant. It didn't come off in any kind of a brace way. He could not have been more polite to everybody on set. But he's like, ah, you guys think you're funny, don't you? And like, he was like sort of making fun of us, but in a way that didn't make us feel bad. So it was really great. It was one of my favorite guests of all time on Dan Patrick show, just because he was, he was just so confident that he was a master of humor and we were not. And we walked away and said, yep, you're right, Jerry. You're, you know, you're absolutely right. And, uh, but you can tell a lot. Um, you probably guys have seen some of it too. Like you tell a lot from the five minutes before they get there, how they deal with the sound guy, the makeup guy and what they're like afterwards. Like anyone could get on air with Dan, who's like the king and like amp it up and be a good guy. It's just, you know, we, we kind of judge guys a little bit by how they are to everybody else. And he could not have been nicer. And also I mean, like, but he, he was cocky and you might be asking me next, but Larry David was on. Larry had a totally different vibe. Larry was on because Carissa Thompson was guest hosting for Dan in Los Angeles. And Carissa and Larry are famously friends. Like uh, she tweets about it a lot and, and he came on and he has a totally different vibe than Jerry. He wasn't, um, he came in and he saw our set and immediately started doing a Larry David tour around the set. Like, what's the deal with this thing? What's that doing there? And he immediately got in since it was a sports show, broke into a three minute diatribe on what the Jets needed to do, got into X and O's. And uh, he, he was much, much different than Jerry. Jerry was a little more, carrying himself like a bigger star. Larry, for some reason, felt a little more like just one of the guys. I, I don't know. I'm not sure yeah. if you had that experience talking I, to other people. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, just to break it down, so if like Larry lives like he has house money, Jerry feel like like maybe the weight of the world's on him a little more and he has to prove himself and prove out like, oh, that's funny, that's not. Larry just doesn't, doesn't care. No, no, no. Yeah, I think it's a little unfair to Jerry, too, because he... Yeah, yeah, that, that that is true. They carry themselves differently. Like Larry definitely, like, I don't know if it was a confidence or just did not care at all. Yeah, that's a great way to describe it. Like, he didn't put on, like, he didn't get the, I didn't get the sense that Larry cared what anybody thought about him, where Seinfeld probably did want to be, like, demand a certain amount of respect. Mm, interesting. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it, that comes across, I think, when you, when you see them on interviews, but hearing it, like, kind of firsthand really, uh, you know, makes sense. And that, that's a great, those are two great stories. Um, you know, obviously we mentioned at the top, you know, Sandler, another, another icon, um, you know, as you're, as you're talking about Jerry, you're talking about Larry, we'd be remiss if we didn't kind of talk about Sandler a little bit and just how, how that, what that's like, what, what his vibe is like, you know, he's running that whole show, right? I mean, he's, he's producing those, those movies, you know, oftentimes probably writing them or at least involved heavily. So I'm sure there's a lot going on, but how is he, um, we have talked to a few people who have worked with him, but not, not probably, you know, I, I know you, you've worked on a couple of his things. And so where, where, where does he land in the, in the vibe department yeah. as far as that goes? 
Um, so Adam, you know, Dan has been in uh, 22 Adam Sandler movies or something crazy like that. He's very good friends with Dan. He is of all the actors we've interviewed and all the guest stars we have, he's the most down to earth of every single one of them. And he is so nice to all of us. So the first one we were in was, um, that's my boy with Andy Samberg. And he took us up to Boston and we shot for, for a full day and he couldn't have been like, I mean, we're nobodies. And he, he ingratiated us in the set, like let us sit with the director and he, he could not have been nicer. And he's taken us out to dinner multiple times, probably three times. He took like the producers and Dan out to dinner. Um, he took us, we were on this movie pixels in Toronto. He took us to dinner with Dan Aykroyd and, and Ivan Reitman's restaurant. And we were sitting with Sandler and Dan Aykroyd and Ivan Reitman came by and Sandler did this is Sandler. You know, you, I don't know if you, how much, you know, the Dan Patrick show Fritzy is what a guy on the yeah. show and he'll ask anything or say anything. And Sandler and Adam, Todd goes like to start Adams. Can I ask him about like the seventies skits on Saturday Night live? And Sandler's like, Hey Danny, Danny. Uh, Todd wants to know uh, about the Saturday Live in the seventies, and Dan's like, "Ask away." I'm like, uh, he's just like, he's a, he's like, to him, like everybody's the same. It's weird. He is, uh, you know, I don't know what. I'm sure when in the middle of production, he can be tough, but he is so nice. And so I went out for Hustle in Philadelphia last fall, and this one was weird because Dan wasn't with me; it was just me. Adam and Dan sort of hooked me up because the movie's set in Philadelphia and I'm a Sixers fan. So they're like, all right, let's get Andrew a line in this one. So I was there alone and I didn't see Adam the whole time. He was filming in another part of the city. Then he came over and we shot our scene, but he couldn't have been nicer. Um, yeah, the funny thing, by the way, and I, I might've told you guys this. So I was practicing the line. I had one line. I was practicing with Dan and the crew all day long. And somebody said, oh, this is exactly like uh, these pretzels are making me thirsty with Kramer. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So my line became, people were saying that, oh, this is your, these pretzels are making me thirsty. Because I kept on walking around and I'd be like, I can't say the line because it gives up a plot point. It's a total spoiler. I'm sorry, but like I would basically say it a hundred times. And uh, yeah. So for, that those, was, yeah, for those who haven't seen it, it's a great flick. It, I kind of, it's kind of like a Rocky type uh, yeah, a Philly tie, but kind of inspirational. And you're like, yeah, you're like Tom Brokaw, the reporter, like getting in there, doing your thing. More of a print reporter. So I have to ask a question that moves the plot along of Juancho Hernan Gomez, who's the star. And uh, it was great. We shot it 20, 22 times because they shot, I said the line, like, we got to get this angle, we got to get this angle. Um, and there was a, there were 500 extras on the street. Movie making is in insane you know especially on the road uh so it was a wonderful experience. was yeah. was dan patrick in it like right yeah. before that okay yeah, I was yeah. Like, we shot him on his on his set yeah all right. I mean, yeah the, the timing was perfect because i was like i was looking for you and all of a sudden they showed dan patrick and then boom you i mean it was coincidence but that worked with him and everything but yeah so no, funny yeah. Story. that was on purpose actually yeah oh all right well there you go funny story we had the writers of uh if you remember the episode, the junior mint, um, the famous yeah, yeah, yeah. episode, uh, Andy Robb and the writer he used to work for Shine Alive and story, story has it. He said, um, I guess it was back in 92 or so when Jerry was hosting Shine Alive, um, Andy brought the script for the junior mint. He asked Sandler to give it to Jerry. So mm. Sandler took it, made the connection, and kind of the rest of the history. So it's kind of a cool oh. little uh, 
cool little uh, yeah, nugget that's had an impact on Seinfeld, believe it or not. I love, uh, you know, I'll admit, I, I'm a junkie of any Saturday Live podcast where, or like, if a Saturday Live person's on a podcast, they talk about the behind-the-scenes connections. I love that because obviously, you know, like Seinfeld, I'm a huge SNL fan. Um, yeah. So that I love stories like that, and I know Jerry Seinfeld too. Like, didn't like half the guys do a Jerry Seinfeld impersonation to make it on the show. I think that was like Jimmy yeah. Fallon, famously. I think yeah. I heard recently Sandberg or somebody was doing Jerry Seinfeld, like in his tryout with Lauren. But like, there's definitely a lot of ties there. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, uh, yeah, that definitely makes sense. That's hilarious. That I mean, yes, Sandler, it's the Sandler SNL connection there we got from Andy Robin was great. So, you know, Howard just mentioned the junior mid, obviously a, a classic with uh, you know, um that's that's Mulva, right? The junior mint. Um, you know, Dolores Mulva. But um, so let's get into it a little bit. What yeah. is, what is your uh, you know we talked about when you got into the show Seinfeld, but you know, as you've now probably watched a million reruns and and kind of uh dove into the show a bit more after college. Um, you know, where do you, where do you, where do you sit on, on sort of your favorite seasons? I guess we, we, we tend to lean towards the earlier years. Um, you know, what, you know, two through five, uh, six is good and solid, but after seven and I, David leaves, it gets a little bit crazy. Those later years, eight and nine, it, it, for us, it gets a little bit too totally. cartoonish. Um, just curious, like where do you land? What are, what are some of your, your go-to episodes and like what seasons kind of stick out to you? Well, I think, first of all, I think my experience of the show is different than your guys. I think I'm older than you. Yeah. We were so excited for Thursday night for the show. So like, yeah, I've seen a million reruns, but like to me, like the liveness and the freshness of it, like there'd be an episode of like the Hamptons or something. Then Monday at work, everybody'd be talking about the Hamptons. But yeah, I mean, I actually thought of a couple of my favorite episodes of my favorite moments. And uh, I'm sure you guys have heard these ones all the time, but I can tell you, I know my favorite episode. Uh, it's definitely when, when George does the opposite spoke to me in such a deep way, because I felt like at that part of my life, if I had just done the opposite of everything Andrew Perloff wanted to do, I would have been successful. Like, to, and I think to me, that was really close to the utter peak of the show. I think it was close to the peak of the cultural phenomenon that it was. I don't know what season that was. You guys know? Five. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 is that considered critically one of the best seasons? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. probably the best season. And I've said this many times. I said I feel like the series could have ended on that episode, and I would have been happy. Like that yeah, was ended to your point. The peak, and it, that was it. Like that was perfection in my mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the funniest line ever, and unfortunately they brought it back in the finale and didn't work as well. The funniest line to me was Jerry Stiller when he learns that George dies and he says to Steinbrenner, Jay Buhner, to me, that, that might yes. be the hardest I've ever laughed. Yeah. That yes. line That's my favorite line of so, all time. I feel like the whole series led up to that very moment. <laughs> Jay Buhner! And as a huge sports fan, I related so much to that scene. Uh, and then they brought it back with that, like uh, Hideki Arabu in the finale or something, which is so yeah, funny, yeah, yeah. but it wasn't a, yeah, yeah. Just the fact that that was what, that's probably my favorite line. Yeah. I mean, I, I go to that all the time. I mean, speaking of not only sports fan, I'm a New York Yankees sports fan growing <laughs> up. All I heard about was a Jay Buhner trade my whole life. Then they say it on TV. It totally just blew my mind. It was one of the greatest. But, greatest yeah. Now, ever. by the way, now that I'm in sports radio, I always, uh, 
when uh, I can't, George is an executive and he says, I figured out a way to get Griffey Bonds and, and somebody else in right field. We don't give up anything. I always, <laughs> and Dan, I would always like, I was like, uh, I would think of a trade proposal. I'd be like, it's just like when George wanted to get Griffey Bonds and somebody else and not give up anything. Because you hear a lot of, I love that. I love, for some reason, I'm not a Yankees fan, I'm a Phillies fan, but the Yankees stuff was always funny. You know, in the opposite scene, but I think the most like popular scene of the opposite one is when, when he's hitting, when he hits a home run with uh, was it Jeter and Bernie? And yeah, he goes, you won, yeah. you won, but you won in six games. That scene is amazing. Yeah, the the Yankee stuff is great. Um, sports in general, right? And I mean, I think for me, the show that kind of catapulted it was um, the Keith Hernandez episode. That was just like a a special episode. The other thing we like to talk about, because obviously, you know, our, our podcast really, really revolves around the guest stars, to be honest with you. It's who we've had on the most is all these different guest stars, right? Like, you know, Jimmy's been on and then, uh, you know, Jackie Childs, uh, Mickey. Um, so we, 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 we love the guest stars. We think that the show, you know, obviously the core four is, is great, but we love these, these guest stars, you know, Bookman recently passed away yesterday. Um, yeah. So curious, like, you know, who, who are some of your, uh, some of your favorite of those sort of, uh, those guest stars, you know, the, the parents, we like to keep the parents separate, you know, and mm. Newman separate. Cause they're kind of bigger. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously we could talk about them too, but there's serious, like who's your, who's your kind of go-to kind of, you know, okay. guest star roles that you love? Uh, I, I don't know why, because he's so annoying, but Banya, I find his, the relationship with Seinfeld and Banya is amazing. And the, the soup count, like I always remember that one. Uh, I don't know. I also felt like I knew that guy in some form or other. So that's one that jumps out. I was actually thinking about this before the show and I'm, I don't know if you've ever had this one. And I, I had to Google his names. I couldn't remember it. The guy who pirates videos. Do you guys know his name? Brody. Brody, yes. For some reason, that character always struck with me because he was so intense and so scary. And I don't know why. I uh, That guy always struck with me. Brody was a big deal. Um, I liked him. I like. I mean, there's so many. Obviously, does Susan count as a major character or not really? Because any plot around her always destroyed me. I always thought that was good. But she that's too big, right? No, no, that's a good one. I mean, because that not many not she gets she's interesting with Susan a lot. Some people love her, some people don't like her. It's it's a good one to bring up Susan because not yeah one of those like. Uh, like not was it lightning rod kind of things? Like people don't like that she dies. Some people love that, you know. Ah. Didn't mind that she died, right? It's just a whole thing with Susan. But um, I mean the Cheever letter, you know what's great. Sorry, yeah. The two Susans that I love is the the rye when they're all the parents meet each other and and uh you know who's having sex with the chicken and I never, you know, what's Merlot, never heard of it, that whole scene. And then uh the Cheever letters whole scene too is another one good with Susan. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I, I think I like the way that George plays off her. You know, uh, I'm a big fan of the little mini arc of the Summer of George. Um, yeah, I, uh, yeah. As I think as we talk about this, like I'm definitely more relate to George. Um, yeah, uh, just personally. So uh, the, anything really with him just kills me. And the funny thing too is once, uh, but I think I act a little more like Kramer and I look more and more like Kramer, but. Mentally, I'm more George. Uh, yeah, some more side. Yeah, more. Side, I think everybody kind of relates to George in some way, though, right? Like any, he's like the ultimate insecure male, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. a show. Yeah, and I um, think I think the we've we've spoken to a lot of writers, and I feel like George is the easiest to write for. Yeah, but then again, 
George himself, Chase Alexander, says in the later years when Larry David left, like no one really got him. Um, really? The, yeah, he, yeah like, he, he changed a little bit. If you know the later years where he's just like yelling and ha ah, like doing stuff like that. Um, you know, he's less of a loser. We love loser opposite George or before the opposite, actually unemployed, living with his parents. Like, I think that's the George we can all relate to, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, but, 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 yeah. hey, you know, listen, there's a lot of people who love the later seasons. Um, uh, I have a quick George, George story. I have a quick George story from my real life. So there was a guy when I got out of college, I took a few creative writing classes of some sort at SVA in New York City, School of Visual Arts. And there was a writer named, I'm so sorry, I'm forgetting his last name. His name was Charlie. He wrote a couple episodes. And he is the one, he grew up in New York with Larry David, like they were friends. And he is the one who snubbed somebody snubbed Larry David's ex-girlfriend so he came up with the episode The Snub now actually he did not get a writing credit for it he was on staff Gail Cunningham no, it, that's not his yeah this guy's name is Charlie he did not get the writing yeah, credit but yeah. for yeah oh okay so, yeah, Charlie Rubin right Charlie Rubin Charlie Rubin right yeah, yeah, you guys yeah. ever had him on or no we did reach out to him though. I believe I believe he's at NYU now You, he taught you at School of Visual Arts you said uh, you know what? It might have been NYU. Yeah, it was one of those sure, two. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's at NYU now. Actually, I know because I emailed him at NYU and he, uh, yeah. he snubbed us. <laughs> he yeah, yeah. Uh, he didn't get back to us. But I was thinking, I heard recently on a podcast, and I paused, I don't remember what it was, that uh, Jason Alexander didn't really get the character of George. And then one day he said to Larry after like episode five, you guys have probably heard this story. I don't want to do this. I don't think my character would react like that. And Larry goes, what do you mean you would react like that? That's exactly what I did because you did. He's like, yeah, that's what happened. Um, and the fact that like, so Charlie cluing me into that, the snub actually happened was like, just like the, as outrageous as Larry David's stuff was, I think that that being rooted in reality is what I really related to. And, uh, you know, Larry's, I think, a little older than me, but I knew a lot of those kind of people in New York. So I really, really kind of relate to the Larry stories, which I think the world later figured out in Curb Your Enthusiasm, sort of that mentality. But a lot of that stuff came through to me. So a lot of like weird George plots. You're right. Towards the end, he definitely was like angry George. I didn't relate to. But insecure George, I totally relate to. Yeah, I think that's that, that's what we fell in love with. You mentioned like watching it live in those earlier seasons. Yeah, that's that's what we fell in love with watching it live was was just how George, you know, was that wrong when he had sex with a cleaning woman and just like yeah. always doubling down on that stuff, right? Uh, yeah. But it's interesting you mentioned that because we've talked again, we've talked to a lot of writers, and that's they Larry and Jerry just wanted real stories. That was what they wanted. Yeah. So almost all these stories mm -hmm. are here. Like we just found out. I don't know if you remember the episode where where Jerry, the girls talking dirty to Jerry. And yeah. um, he says the panties your mother laid out for you, and yeah. she did. And, she, and she's like, like the guy really said that. We talked to the writer the other day who actually said that to a woman. Like that's how that got it. Like <laughs> things like that. You don't, you know, you just think like, wow, it's true stories. You know, it's like that. That's the whole thing is, and that's why we love. That's why everyone relates to the show. Like even, even now, like it's still resonating with twenty year olds today because or fifteen year olds today because that part never changes even though pay phones aren't there anymore and answer machines aren't there anymore like the the human connection that that is in seinfeld like still stays with us all so it's just it's just great um you reminded me of a line i love too by the way when i can't remember the situation but basically uh 
the, the issue of a threesome comes up and uh, and you know because I was like I mean, 20 something guy like I always talk about that stuff and then George George says uh, basically couldn't do it because he'd have to wear a smoking jacket uh, I totally related to like that mindset of like wanting to be Hugh Hefner but knowing deep down inside that there's no way that's going to happen um, yeah that which reminds me of the uh, the, the talking dirty uh, one which is amazing so Andrew, you're uh, back to the Dan Patrick show. You always had a common theme, what against the grain, kind yeah. of. Uh, so give us a little like Seinfeld. What would what would, what would be against the grain or something kind of controversial, well, if you from well, a I actually, point of view? I don't think this. It wouldn't be controversial to say Jerry is the least funny of the four principles, right? Like everybody kind of thinks that, right? Or is that controversial? Uh, no, I mean, listen. Yeah, not be funny. He does. He does. He does. Am I funny now? Uh, no, least, I just think. No, yeah, he's funny. I think that's a fair point. It can be argued the other way, though. So I think it could be considered against the grain because, I mean, he is he the least funny. He's definitely. Ohio likes to say, "What do you always say?" He's most consistent. Is that is that your line? Exactly. Jerry's most. Yeah, consistent? I think yeah. from season one through season nine, he's the most consistent. He's he stayed in character, if you will. Um, and the other the other characters kind of had their ebbs and flows. Uh, we prefer George overall, but as far as consistency, I think Jerry takes the cake. But like, if you look um, at like great comedy duos, he's clearly the straight man, though. Um, I know this yes. guy is really good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I see your point there. Yeah, he's yeah. the straight man. He's not the funny guy. He, he's not getting the laugh. He, you know, where he gets the laughs is with like almost like his stand up embedded into the show. His laughs are usually one liners that are like, you know, almost like jokes, not yeah, yeah. funny because of his acting or because of the premise or anything like that. If he is funny, it's usually because of that, like a sort of a one line or being the show. No, that's I mean, that's why the show's great. His own selfishness. It's like it's like you letting Maggie get all the good laughs on your show. That, that's wow. a great leader does that. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually not by design. <laughs> it's totally by accident. But uh, yeah, 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 no, I do think you hit on the head. Like, I think he put his ego to the side in a big way a lot of times. But the name, his name was on the show though, so maybe that right. may, and the check certainly helped. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. As you look back on, you know, also too, I think the post Seinfeld career success that Julia Louis Dreyfus had sort of makes her puts her in a new category as far as funny people of all time. Because I don't think if you're thinking of great comedic actors of all time, Jerry's definitely not on the list, though, right? I mean, right? No, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's not an insult, really. I mean, right. but uh, yeah, sort of against the grain. Oh my gosh, that is that's so hard to put me on the spot. I don't know. I feel like there's there's so many opinions that it's almost hard to go to against the grain because people do whatever they want with the show. Um, Elaine was a good dancer. Well, Elaine, how about this one? Elaine's dance was not as bad as everybody said. We're not fans of that episode in general, so you're what? not against the grain. You're not against the with us. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, well, to to our point, our overall arching point is the characters. Like, we like cutesy. We like Elaine just being Elaine, you know, being mm. you know there yeah. as the funny, you know, her little what she's gonna do in the Jimmy or something like this, right? We don't need her, I don't know, dancing around Pute de Mayo with her little outfit <laughs> yes, on, you know, like. Andrew, the vibe I'm getting is you're like a later Seinfeld guy. The the the, the later seasons, little kicks, uh, Brody. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I got to be honest. Like, I I recently saw an episode, the mayoral election with Giuliani not, and, not yogurt, David, yeah. and the yogurt episode. Lord and Lord. That's that's like season three, season five. Two. Season five. That episode was unbelievable. Okay, oh, yeah. I'm a season five. I'm like pure four, five, six. I think. Four, but five. yeah, yeah. All right, all right. You're redeeming yourself here, but yeah, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, we. We had the original Lloyd Braun on the program. He's a friend of the show. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like, I mean, when you're talking four, five, and six, I mean, that's the that's the heart of the show. That's prime time. If you look at it from like a, a sports perspective, mm-hmm. I like to say like season 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 one is like, you know, get called up in September and sh- kind of show what you got. And then yeah. season two, you're winning rookie of the year. You know, season three, you're winning MVP. Four or five, you're, you know, triple crown MVP Hall of Famer. And then six, you're still solid. Seven, you're you know, you're coming off the bench. You're making some big hits. And eight, nine, you're you're you know, you're just kind of a journeyman. You're kind of just uh, you know, you have your pops yeah. here and there where you win a you win a game with a home run off the bench or something. But I don't know. That's yeah. kind of but is it every like you just described the arc of pretty much every great show, right? Fair. That's fair. That's why yeah. O'Hara's point is if they ended at the opposite, it would yeah. have been an all timer. But I I for one agree with him on a critical standpoint, but the show would have never gotten the legs it got or the, the admiration it got without those later seasons. That's when everyone was watching, you know, they heard about the other episodes and they, they chimed in later on and it got all their ratings and everything. Can I ask a question? What was the, that was the end of the fifth season, the opposite. What was the first episode of the sixth season? The chaperone, the chaperone, which isn't a great episode, but then you get the big salad, which is good. Season six is solid. It's okay. solid. It's it's a it's it's good. It's solid. You got the big salad. You got the Chinese woman. You got the soup. The one you mentioned, which is a great episode. The soup. Um, the secretary's in that one. The race is in that one. The doorman. The Jimmy. I mean, season six is solid. When's uh, uh, oh when's Soup Nazi? Now you're getting seven. into seven. Yeah. So well, I mean that's iconic, and that's seven. It's iconic, I, I, yes. Um, but again, definitions of iconic. You know, it, it got big, splashy, but again, it was like kitschy catchphrase. Um, again, it kind of just got away from the core that we appreciated and watched live. And we get, listen, we get it. There's a huge following for it, and people think it's so New York and blah blah. And like blah. anything else, there's there's good in the bad episodes, right? Like okay. you mentioned, little kicks. I don't like Elaine kicking, but I love Brody. Like you said, Brody. Like Brody's great. Brody with Jerry is great. Brody, that whole. Wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the same episode, right? I hate the little kicks, but I love Brody. But y- you don't get wait. That. What about um? What about the summer of George that I mentioned? That's pretty late too. Um, when I love the what's the jerk store episode? I feel like that's towards the end too, and that's all time. <laughs> that's, that's season eight. The comeback is season eight. Well, that little subplot with George and like when yeah. and the jerk store. I mean, I've I've heard a lot of people talk about that one too. I feel like you, I, I'm glad they kept. Yeah, going. but that's I mean, written. That's written by Andy Robin and, and Greg mm. Cavett, who are left mm. kind of leftover from mm. from the earlier years. So they they mm. kind of have a gem kind of sprinkled in there. Just yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Listen, I mean, Seinfeld, and you know. So. Similar to like uh, sports debates, I don't know, LeBron, Jordan, like when you watch a guy live, it's, it's, it's different um, yeah. than seeing these kind of, these up and comers, but um, wow. is, is, is basketball, is that your main jam? 
No, I actually, it's the NFL for a long time. So I, I, I started out doing some NBA stuff. Then I got a job. It's a long story working for the NFL for three years. And I did their in-house like Sunday ticket pregame show and postgame show. I was a writer producer. Spencer Tillman. Uh-huh. So anyway, I got really into the NFL. Then I got a job as the NFL editor at SI.com. So I did almost all NFL for a long time. Now, basketball is my favorite sport to play. So now I do like a combo. Like our show, like any show, like you really have to talk as much football as you can because it reaches the biggest audience, pro and college. And then the next thing you can talk about is NBA, which I happen to love. But you can't do much baseball because baseball is big region by region, but it's not big nationally. And you can't do much hockey either. So I really like – I'd say NFL is my primary sport than NBA. So who's your – are you a Vasekahema Jaws guy? Who's your, uh, who's your eagle? Randall Cunningham <laughs> for life. Vasekahema was a great local, great local newsman. Yeah. So, yeah, Randall – me and my friends just love Randall. Like Jaws – Jaws is an icon, and he's like, he you know, he's established. But Randall was like in, the, in high school, the peak of my football years when Buddy Ryan was there. That was all Randall Cunningham. He's my favorite. Brian Dawkins and him are my two favorite Eagles of all time. Um, yeah, I'll take Seth I'll Joyner. take Seth Joyner. Seth Joyner. I love Seth Joyner's. We used to have the Joyner watch oh, yeah. in the newspaper. Remember that? The Joyner watch. He, he was so him. underrated. It was unbelievable. Uh, Remember that Monday night game where he basically almost made the Hall of Fame in one night? I don't know. It was against the Oilers. I don't it's a famous Philly game. Yeah, yeah. If you ever got the YouTube back, it is like a total domination. But Brian Dawkins, I don't know if you guys are you might be Giants fans, but Brian I'm actually a there's a special fan, Oh god. There's special pride in Philadelphia for Brian Dawkins. We joked the other day, like, if you can wear two things to a, your own wedding, a tuxedo or a Dawkins jersey, and nobody will give you a hard time. Because he was just like the gritty, hard, you know, hard-nosed guy. So everyone loved him. Yeah. Well, number 20. Um, right? I think yeah, it's number 20. 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, so yeah, so how, so how are things going? I mean, give us – and obviously Maggie's a great partner. We know her obviously from the fan here in yeah. New York. But uh, she's a big Seinfeld fan. I'm like, do you guys – obviously there's – you got good chemistry. Um, do, you, do you talk Seinfeld a lot off air, on air? Um, I'm just curious about that. You know – no, we don't do a ton of Seinfeld on air. You know, the weird thing is, and like, to be totally honest, like some of like, we try to keep it like, some, we think some of our audience is too young to get the Seinfeld references, maybe. So we don't like, you know, we worry that our, our references are out of touch with the, the widespread audience. So we don't put a ton of cultural stuff, you know, like we try and do like the shows are on right now. And like, we don't, we t- yeah, of course we reference Seinfeld. Like the other day, I think we said a line from Seinfeld, like something like they're spectacular or something like, or something like that we know, but we have to be really cognizant of the fact that a big chunk of our audience might not have access to that. Uh, also, to think of where our audience is, like it's not just New York City. Like we're bigger in the West Coast, the middle of the country. So I don't know. No, to be honest, like we don't sprinkle really as much Seinfeld as we probably should. Um, so we try, but we try and talk a lot about like 
current shows. Like we actually make a point. That might be a stupid philosophy. What do you think of that, guys? Like honestly, like we we try and keep it going. Like why are we talking? We should be talking about Squid Games, not a show that was big in nineteen. Well, you know your you. I guess you yeah. know your audience more. But I would say, generally speaking, I'm a fan, and even Seinfeld's a fan of this. The show, I think, in fact, that they. I've heard Larry Dave talk about this. Like you give a reference. And if they don't get it, that's that's kind of them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you almost yeah. give the reference for you <laughs> to Ooh. kind of, like you said, you and Maggie bantering and also for the people that do get it. And then the ones that don't get it, it's just like they're not going to tune out because they don't get a reference. Maybe they'll even look it up or be like, what was that? And like that kind of thing. So I don't know. I mean, but you know, you know, your audience, obviously. But I think like there's a fine line there of like. Like, cause Seinfeld talking about Seinfeld, they would throw in references when I'm watching it. I didn't get them at some point, right? Like, you know, James Mansfield. Maybe I didn't know the heck that was when I was 14 years old, right? But they throw it in there, or like, you know, like they would use these references, and like you, they're still funny, even though you don't 100% get them, you know, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I yeah, I, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I, I, no, I would just say like, and you guys do this well. It's just about being authentic, like yeah. whatever that is, like the audience will come, you know? Yeah. Um, well, well, let me, you know, my answer to that question is we started our show on CBS sports radio, CBS sports network, January 3rd. And I had come off the Dan Patrick show where in many ways I was riding Dan's coattails and Maggie was on FAN with this big New York audience. So at first, I think we like we were afraid to be ourselves a little bit at first. We were trying to be, and I think in the six months, if you look at the last three months, we become more comfortable being authentic. I gotta tell you, like I know, and that's not to say like the first three months were bad, but we're much we're doing much more for our own things to make us laugh lately than at first. And you know what? I regret that a little bit, but like we were trying to find our feet and our audience a little bit. And then, but I agree with you guys completely. If it's funny to us. That's all that matters because you can't try to be funny for other people. Um, but it took a matter of like we know each other pretty well. We were at SI. But it takes a while to get comfortable in a new show to be able to talk about it. So I think we've become more every, – every week we've become more authentic. Um, and we have more – the other thing too is you build a little bit of the language of the show where people know what to expect and we can talk to each other. And So we're getting much better at that I think. Yeah, I mean, listen, the, the the duo here in New York that you're probably familiar with, Mike and the Mad Dog, they were talking, you know, movies and ratings and just stuff that they enjoy yes. talking about. Um, but for <laughs> my money, I'm I'm taking you, Andrew, over Francesca's scene in uh, in the Sandler movie. Hundred percent. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Francesca, you know, it's funny. So CBS Sports Radio, you know, it shares the hall with WFAN. And there's like the Mike Francesca break room. So I come from Philadelphia, which is Angelo Cataldi territory. Everyone knows Angelo. Nobody knows. Mike and the Mad Dog couldn't be farther away. So everybody has this like reverence for Mike and the Mad Dog. And I don't get it because I, I just what, didn't grow up with it. But I mean, I do get it. I, those guys are super entertaining. But it is like, I'm like in the shrine to uh, to Francesa and Russo and Steve Summers and all these FAN characters. Yeah. And it's, it's weird. We're, we're big Steve Summers. We talked to Steve Summers. We, we're huge Steve Summers fans. So that was great that we got to talk to him. But Oh, yeah. yeah. He's a legend. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys are, I think, like you said, you guys are doing great. I mean, the rapport you guys have with 
Maggie. It's 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 really fun, you know. And I think, like you said, just be yourself, and uh, it's awesome yeah. to see you know see you have you guys what you guys are doing over there. Um, you know, I, I just just to kind of get get back to Seinfeld a little bit here. You know, um, in in the last few minutes we have, I don't want to keep it too late, but um, curious, like uh, you know. You talked about the Buner line and you've also mentioned like uh, a few other lines here and there, but like to us, like there's like the, you know, was that wrong or, or, um, you know, a uh, cart right in the Chinese restaurant you talked about. Right. So like, mm. are there, are there lines that you do go to like my wallet's gone, my wallet's gone or yeah. you know, tippy toe lemon tree. Like all these things just pop into our heads all the time constantly. Like, like I'll say them to my kids. Mm. Right. I don't even like, they'll just like, they're learning these lines. Like, do you do that in your, in your kind of almost your everyday life or not professionally, <laughs> just like randomly? Like, is there some you know, go-to lines where you're just like, Oh, that's a Seinfeld episode. I'm just going to say it. like, that's that, you know, it pops up. I don't know. It's kind of on the spot, but anything like that. Yeah, no, you know, it's funny. It's not really the lines. It's more of the scenarios where, like, we'll be in a pre-show meeting. This would happen with Dan Patrick all the time because we love doing <laughs> cultural things. And we'd be, like, we'd be describing an awkward situation. And, like, everybody would be like, oh, you mean, like, the Seinfeld episode? And Dan would be like, Seinfeld did an episode on that? Um, so it was more like situations, like, especially when I was single. I mean, I, I'm telling you guys, like, I was there in New York in the 90s. This was my life. So I'm sorry, like that, none of really popping to mind, but we would do that all the time. It's more like this is a Seinfeld scenario, like like right. shrinkage or something. Or uh, <laughs> yeah, like um, there's just so many, um, there's just so many things. I think of the dating life, that was like, I kind of like, we aspired to be Seinfeld where he always had a new pretty girlfriend in every episode. <laughs> I, I, it's just like, but everything about it, was just like so true to life. And I'm glad you said that thing about like that they wanted real stories um, because that really, I actually didn't know that. I thought a lot of it was in their heads, but that explains a lot to me because it really felt real to me. So yeah, I don't have, uh, yes, all the time. Like, and I, I'm sorry I'm liking now, but all the time I'll be like, oh my God, I know that situation happened in Seinfeld. But, um, yeah. Yeah. And to your point, New York in the early 90s, much different than like the New York we know today, although maybe it's getting back to that. But um, <laughs> there was just like a kind of an edge and comedic even darkness to it. So that's, that's interesting that you uh, picked up on that as well for Seinfeld. But well, yeah, um, I mean, by the way, like my New York comedy scene, like I was also big in stand up in the 90s. And like, do you, I don't know if you ever heard of Luna Lounge. And oh, like, yeah, I would watch. Yeah, like the alternative kind of people got their start a lot, right? Yeah, so I was like a big Todd Berry fan yeah. and a Mark Maron fan and Janine Garofalo. So I was really into trying to see live comedy too. I mean, listen, like Seinfeld, the show, and Simpsons was huge for me. So I was a big comedy fan. And then a lot of people I know started performing at uh, Upright Citizen Brigade or The Pit. Oh, yeah. So there was a lot of live comedy too, which I think is really different than Seinfeld, that underground scene, um, kind of alternative. I think Seinfeld was the mainstream comics comic. But um, yeah, I think that it's I think there was Seinfeld going on and then that spurned like a more like, like sort of a darker like the Sklar brothers. I'm just trying to think of all the right, right. a lot of that came out of that era of New York. And so because I lived at, I I lived on the Upper East Side, then I moved downtown. I lived downtown and in Brooklyn for a long time. Yeah. But yeah. 
it's interesting you just mentioned that because we had Mark Hirschfeld on the the casting director, and he said he used to go to these clubs in New York yeah. all the time, and that's how Patton Oswalt got it got it got the yeah. gig on Seinfeld. Uh, Sarah Silverman got the gig on Seinfeld because of that. Yeah, yeah I, I, I can see that that scene. It does intertwine with Seinfeld, like in in a way. Yeah. I saw Sarah Silverman all the time uh, down perform downtown. She was awesome. Yeah, that that's really cool. I love. Yeah, like just like I think it's underestimated. Like what that what Seinfeld really spurned the live comedy thing. I was I was a big fan. A lot of amazing geniuses came through New York in the nineties. Yeah, it's it's an incredible time. Yeah, I mean, listen, Seinfeld was a a comedic genius, an all time show. the chemistry with Jerry and Elaine, we see that with you and Maggie. And listen, we we wish you we wish you guys the best of luck. I know you're just getting started, but uh, thanks so much for the time, Andrew. And uh, yeah, keep no, talking Seinfeld on the show. I think yeah. uh, throw it in there. I think I think you'd uh, be surprised. No, you guys are no seriously. You guys have like kind of made me rethink of it a little bit because like yeah, of course that's who I am. I mean like all right, yeah, I will and uh, yeah, t- well, tomorrow I guarantee I will get in a solid Seinfeld reference tomorrow and it'll be organic to the show and I'll have a sports hook. It's gonna be perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much, Andrew. This was awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate Thanks, guys. It. Really appreciate it. Thanks Thank a lot. Right. Have a great night. Okay. Good night. Thanks, guys. Right. Yep. Cheers. <laughs>